millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by, if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 88, The Real World. Today's proverb comes from the Comtesse de Lafayette. I'll read it twice. It costs a great deal to be reasonable. It costs youth. Once more, it costs a great deal to be reasonable. It costs youth. This proverb suggests two separate significant ideas. First is that youth is very valuable. And second that the value of youth is not in youth's ability to think. So why is youth very valuable? What is good about youth? I have put a lot of time into this question, staring every day as I do at the faces of the young. I'm fascinated by the young, I'm fascinated by teenagers, and what it means to be a youth. Every day, for seven or eight hours, I am in the company of teenagers, and it's been this way for 17 years. The majority of my career has been a study of youth, how to talk to youth, how to interpret youth. And I ask myself often, what is good about being young? There is something good about being young. And you know this if you've spent any time around the young and you've spoken with them and you've watched them talk with one another. You've listened to them sing. 
You've looked at their artwork. There is something wonderful about being young, and you remember it yourself. You remember being young, and there was a certain splendor to it. But what is that splendor? Well, to begin with, what's good about being young? Young people don't care about money. Now, this is a liability as well as an asset. Young people rather care quite a bit about doing what's right. Young people care about justice. And you see this in seven and eight-year-olds, maybe it first emerges. Young people want things to be fair. And they care more about fairness than they care about almost anything else. They want their fair share and they note others who are not getting their fair share too. Why do they not care about money? Why do they care so much about justice and not about money? Well, because they don't have to think about money. Why do young people not think about money? Because they don't have to. Young people don't respect money. Young people generally don't worry about being more poor than they already are. And you may be thinking, when I say young people don't respect money, well, what about the extreme poor of the world? Do they not respect money? Do they not respect the idea of money and what money could get them? I'm not saying that rich and poor look at money the same. I am saying that young people tend to believe they will have as much or as little money as their parents whenever they finally grow up. And young people become accustomed to the money their parents have. And they don't think about having a lot more or a lot less. Even if your parents don't have a lot of money, nonetheless, children do not imagine a future where they have less than their parents. And a human being is a creature that can get used to anything, as Dostoevsky said. We get used to our poverty. We get used to our wealth. Especially the young, who don't know any different. The fact that young people don't care about money gives them the power to speak dangerous, embarrassing truths that the elderly are not willing to speak. I do look at the indifference of the young over the issue of money as both a liability and an asset. And it's an asset in that the young are willing to say things that the elderly are not. In the story of the emperor's new clothes, it is a child that points out the man is naked. As I've said many times before, some of the best lectures I have heard at classical conferences are from young men, young men in their 20s. They have nothing to lose, which often works against youth, but it can be to their advantage as well. Older conference speakers tend to play it safe. They have verified Twitter accounts and book deals, and they are too tired and played out to deal with the heat that comes from speaking dangerous truths. 
But the young teachers? The young teachers come from flyover states. They make $34,000 per year at mediocre schools no one's ever heard of. And so they don't have to worry about Twitter mobs coming after them. They don't have to worry about bad reviews flooding in on their Goodreads accounts of books that they've published. And people will flock to those who tell dangerous truths. This is how a lot of intellectuals get their start. A lot of intellectuals begin by saying dangerous truths, embarrassing truths, emperor's new clothes sort of truths. Telling dangerous truths will make you famous. At least a little bit. There is a little bit of fame to be had in speaking dangerous truths. In the same way, right, truth, goodness, and beauty. In the same way that beauty will make you famous. In the same way that goodness will lead to a reputation. Truth will give you fame as well. Truth is rare. Be truth is as rare as beauty. Beauty is rare. Truth is rare. There are not many beautiful people in the world. There are not many people that tell the truth either. The problem emerges five years later after truth has made you famous. And you care more about fame than you care about truth. And you get shaky. Young people are willing to throw caution to the wind and do brave things that border on recklessness. And the elder, the elders look on in wonder. They look on with jealousy even. Why else is youth valuable? Youth is valuable because youth is pleasant and the relish and zeal with which the young live their lives is a sermon to the elderly about just how much they have to lose, how much they must lose. The zeal of youth is beautiful. Young people themselves are beautiful. And the beauty of youth reminds the elderly of the generosity of nature, the generosity of God, the clemency of God, that he would give these people, these irrational people, such beauty. The value of youth, though, is not in rational thought. That is today's proverb. Why are the young unreasonable? Aristotle says that the young always think they're right because their ideas have not been tested. We often speak to the young about the real world. And young people get tired of hearing about the real world. Young people tire of adults who talk about the real world beyond graduation in high school. And the young are frustrated by the elderly talking about the real world because the young know that they themselves suffer. And they suspect, perhaps rightly, that suffering is a crucial aspect of reality. And when adults say that you're not in the real world, the young take it to mean that adults think that the young don't suffer. When they do. 
So the young have this tendency to feel patronized and condescended to when adults speak of the real world. As though the anxiety that one experiences in teenage years doesn't count. The term the real world is a cliché, but it has become a cliché because it's overused and underexplored, not because the concept of the real world is fraudulent. The young would do well to ask their elders what makes the real world real, as opposed to simply glibly talking about it. As opposed to speaking of the real world as a place that they haven't been yet. Tell us about it. That's what the young should say when the elderly talk about the real world. And I say this as someone who's 40. And someone who is willing to hear someone older than myself tell me about the real world. Why is the world beyond your family home the real world? That's the most basic definition of it, right? That when adults, when teachers talk to the young about the real world, they mean the world beyond your family home. Why do they refer to this as the real world? And it, of course, the young are probably insulted as well, as though, as though their family home is fake. And they take the words, the real world, to mean that the obedience that you give to your parents, your attendance at school, your attendance at church is fake. And that's all wrong. That is not what the real world means. When adults speak of the real world to the young, they mean something very particular. And perhaps the expression, the real world, was poorly chosen. Perhaps it's more deceptive and misleading than it is accurate. But what, what does the real world mean? Why is the real world the world beyond your family home? Here's why. It's because beyond your family home, your ideas and beliefs have to work. Your ideas and beliefs have to carry some weight beyond the family home. When you are 16, you don't know if your ideas work. You don't know if your ideas bear weight. You don't know if your ideas can keep you alive. You don't know if your ideas can keep you fed and clothed. And the reason why you don't know this is because your parents keep you fed and clothed. Which means that you're free to have whatever ideas you want because your ideas don't actually have to do a whole lot. It's not that your ideas don't have to do anything, but your ideas don't have to do a lot when you live in your family home. Your theories, your beliefs, they don't have to keep you fed. Your mother keeps you fed. If you get very sick at 16, someone else is going to take you to the doctor. Someone else is going to keep you alive. Your ideas are not keeping you alive. Your parents are keeping you alive. And this is often what makes the young so dogmatic. Their ideas don't have to bear weight, which means they're 
free to pursue whatever ideas they want as vigorously, as vehemently, as dogmatically as they want. There's not much of a downside to pursuing crazy ideas when you're 16. Which is why beliefs like the earth is flat tend to be more common among people whose ideas don't have to bear weight. Like when your ideas have to bear weight, you're a little more hesitant to say the world is flat because someone's going to hear it and judge you for it. And that judgment is going to affect your standing in the world. Your, your bank account is somewhat dependent on your ideas. And if your ideas get too wacky, you're going to starve. So you can have ideas that you keep to yourself, of course. You can have private ideas at 17 or 18, or when you're older, I mean. But you keep those ideas private because you're afraid they don't bear any weight. You're afraid that your wacky conspiracy ideas are starvation ideas. That they're celibacy ideas. That if you say these sorts of things around a woman, you're not going to get married. There's not a lot of women out there that are anxious to marry a guy who thinks there's a hole in the top of the earth and that the middle is hollow. That strikes most women as a dangerous idea that doesn't pay the bills. That's an abnormal idea that doesn't pay the bills. Outside the family home, you get to see whether your ideas can keep you fed. Whether they can keep you in the company of reasonable men and women. Whether your ideas can get you a job. Whether your ideas can keep you off antidepressants and antibiotics. And this is often a problem with men who live at home too long. This is increasingly common over the last 20 years. Men who live with their mothers through their early 30s. Men who never leave the family home. And there's all kinds of fake benefits to staying at home. I'll stay at home, don't pay rent, save money. Living at home beyond 19 or 20 is going to make you unreasonable and more dogmatic in your opinions because you don't know the value of your ideas. Because your ideas appear to be keeping you alive. Your ideas appear to be more effective than they are. Like, think about all the cliches about men who live in the basement. Unmarried men who live in their mother's basement. Think about the sort of cliches that permeate our culture about such people. That they're on the internet at all hours of the day. Conspiracy theories, childish taste in music and film and books. And they're under the impression that their horrible taste and their ridiculous ideas are effective. If my ideas were really that rotten, I'd probably be starving. But I'm not. 
I have a home, I have clothing, I have medicine when I need it. Yeah, but it's not, none of your ideas are making this happen. You're under the false impression that your ideas are working because someone else is carrying your load. Mm. Ideas change a lot between 18 and 27. 18 to 27 is an intellectually unstable period of life. It's unstable because some of your ideas immediately begin to fail you as soon as you leave the family home. But you can't tell right off the bat what they are. It can be difficult when your life is falling apart at 20 or 21. It can be a little hard to tell which of your ideas is responsible. Now, I would say, based on experience, based on observation, that most people, especially most young men, incorrectly identify which of their ideas is responsible for their misery between the ages of like 19 and 24. And in our society, the most common culprit, the thing that young men most commonly blame their own misery on is church, which is why they all quit going to church as soon as they can. You graduate, you leave home, 19 or 20, you quit going to church. Church is a part of the problem. Whatever misery you have, church is responsible for it. This is what a lot of people, this is like at least a quarter, probably half of all people who graduate from Christian schools quit church summarily within 12 months of graduation. Now, they may go back, I don't know. But they immediately identify church as the problem. So your ideas change a lot between 18 and 27 because you don't know what to pin your misery on. You don't know what to pin your wretchedness on. A good deal of the wretchedness of being 18 or 19 is being 18 or 19. That's where the wretchedness comes from. It's not the fact you go to church. It's not that your parents are Republican. It's just you're frustrated with how little you know about the world and you take out that frustration on church or on your parents' politics. And you think that flipping whatever was most important before is going to lead to happiness. Church and politics were most important to my parents. I'm unhappy. I need something other than what my parents had. Those must be the ideas. Religious ideas and political ideas. Those must be the ideas that are making me miserable. When it's really simply the inexperience of youth that's making you miserable. So leave the house. Young men, leave the house at 18 or 19 or 20. Get out of the house and start figuring out whether your ideas work. If you stay at home, you won't know what's right and wrong. You'll be dogmatic. This is a reason why dogmatism has become so common in this country. Over the last 15 years, it's not only to do with the fact that men are living at home, but consider this. When the government gives out 
loads of free money, everyone is trapped, whether they're at home or not, in an at-home sort of mentality. When the government gives you free money and keeps you fed and housed, you don't know which of your ideas work. And so you're free to be as dogmatic as you want because you don't have any material concerns. And this will, the more free money people get, the more dogmatic they will become in their ideas. Because when your ideas have to keep you alive, your ideas become far more reasonable. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 